Hi, and welcome to a new weekly bonus episode of Chart of Fortune, the astrology podcast where I look at the birth charts of the moments and things that made pop culture. I'm your host, Elise Blaylock, and this is the 12th and final episode of a special mini-series I'm calling Summer Fridays. Each week, I review an episode of the short-lived but forever-loved MTV reality series, Rich Girls. This week is a little different than most of my previous episodes because I don't have an episode of Rich Girls to review. Instead, I'm spending this week telling you the hot gossip of what happened after Rich Girls wrapped in September 2003. Because as much as we all love reality TV, I want to believe there were all secretly people who root for the reunion special. We want the stars of our shows to have some candid tea-spilling moments. Am I right? So this week, I'm covering rich girl Allie Hilfiger. I mentioned in last week's episode, which covered Jamie Gleischer, that she doesn't do a lot of interviews like Jamie doesn't, especially after the show wrapped. So I had to base my episode on Jamie off of like her Instagram and a single podcast episode. But Allie doesn't seem as keen to shy away from the spotlight. It could be that her father is a household name. It could be that she grew up performing. Or it could be that being a child of the idle rich leads you to seek acceptance from the outside world. I have to start this episode with my less than subtle hint that if you haven't been listening in chronological order to these episodes, then, you know, I respect it, but it's still Virgo season, so I feel extra compelled to say that maybe listening to episode 5, if you haven't listened to anything, before listening to this episode will be useful. But you do you, baby. So last week, I did have to have a content uh, discussion about the episode and some of the interpersonal and health issues that Jamie experienced. Just as a heads up here, decidedly less graphic episode. This time, we are going to have a mention of a like psych ward mental institution, and we are also going to have a brief mention of Lyme disease and some drug experimentation. Um, None of this is about... Allie's like she at no time says that she had any drug abuse issues so if you feel like those things might be sensitive just keep that as a heads up but it's definitely a little bit less intense than last week's episode so make the right choice for you so I went ahead and read Allie's memoir bite me and I listened to an episode of a truly random podcast called tick boot camp which by the way was more than two hours long Allie discussed in the podcast that her parents, Tommy and Susie, met in New York as artists, and they instilled in her a love of all things artistic and bohemian. Sidebar, it is almost impossible for me to picture Tommy, a man who is never not in a colored shirt or some sensible Connecticut suburban dad apparel, as a man who once lived in a loft and was poor. Allie also gives us some interesting information about the origin of the show Rich Girls. While Jamie told us that MTV wanted to meet Allie because of the show that they produced about interior design, Allie said it was because she helped produce a movie when she was 16. This movie was called Proud, and it happened to be the movie that we saw the premiere of in episode two of Rich Girls. Kim Cattrall, Bill Clinton was there, you know, the movie where Tommy was also like a major producer and financial backer. I'm sure you produced it, Allie. But she did give us a really fun tidbit that she met the MTV producers on 4 p.m. on Halloween 2002. And this is another quick tangent, but this one is of the astrological variety. 
Now, on Halloween 2002, October 31st, the sun was in seven degrees of Scorpio because Halloween is the most Scorpio holiday of all time. And at that day, that sun in Scorpio was forming a conjunction with Jamie and Allie's natal Pluto in the sign of Scorpio. They both have Pluto in Scorpio in four degrees. Now, when the sun is conjunct Pluto in your chart, This is a time where when the sun is in the sign that your Pluto is in, you might have some Plutonian power. I know we're really quick to talk about how like negative and dramatic Pluto can be, but let's not forget that Pluto is the ultimate boss energy, okay? People are drawn to you. They find you compelling. They might have an influence or sway that you normally don't have, but now you do. You know, the way they convinced a bunch of MTV producers that you and your bestie can totally be the follow-up hit to the Osbournes reality show. Perhaps the best part of Allie retelling this meeting story on the Lyme Disease Awareness Podcast is that she showed up in her high school Halloween costume. So she went to school all day. She was out at 3.30. She met them at 4. And she showed up as a sexy angel in a white miniskirt and wings. Now, she did have like a blazer or jacket on, but underneath was a satin white corset. She obviously had to color coordinate. And from this meeting while she was wearing wings, they really liked her and they offered her a chance to be a VJ, but that wasn't her vibe. She said she like glitched out and that she decided that she told them she wanted to be behind the scenes, but she didn't really mean that. She liked being in front of the camera. She just didn't want to be a VJ. Throughout her book and a little bit in the podcast, Allie really tries to create a lot of space between herself and her image and the fact that she was on Rich Girls, like a lot. She recounts the prom episode, which of course is episode one, and she reveals that that weird uncle dude that we never liked is not her real uncle. And she felt like after they filmed that episode that if she backed out, she'd disappoint Jamie and Jamie's dreams of becoming an actress. She just didn't feel like she could make her mad. But one person she could agree to piss off was her mom. She said that she signed on to piss her off, like any teenager would be wont to do. She wrote in her book about doing the show, quote, yeah, fuck it. Now I'm really going to do it. Looking back, I think maybe Rich Girls was the ultimate rebellion against my mom. I can see how screwed up my thinking was. I'll show you. I'll hurt myself. End quote. There are a few times where Allie and Jamie have very different perspectives, okay, completely different perspectives of the show and what goes down. The first example was, of course, that pitch meeting that we just covered. But another key difference is how they perceive Liz. Now, Allie mentions that she knew Jamie and Liz didn't get along and that while they were on their London trip, she felt like she was being fought over. And we definitely saw that on the private jet, at dinner. But then Allie mentions that the producers wanted her to ask a lot, answer lots of prying questions about her relationship with Jamie and Liz and their friendship. And she felt forced to share how angry she was at both of them because she felt like they were being childish. But here's where it gets a little weird. This doesn't quite add up because as we know in Jamie's podcast episode, Jamie and Liz are now best friends and Allie doesn't even follow Liz on social media. So... I think there's more to this London story than we've been told. Two takeaways here from my conspiracy theory corner. I know I'm dusting it off. It's been a minute because the world is full of other people who have really destructive conspiracy theories. But mine are, one, Jamie and Michael V, there was something there. It was a physical relationship. That happened. Two, the other thing I think is there is a lot of stuff that we don't know from London that ended up creating a friendship between Jamie and Liz and basically like putting a huge rift in Allie and Jamie's friendship and Allie and Liz's friendships. Okay, conspiracy corner closed for the day. 
because that's actually not why we're here. When the show ends, that's why we're here. So when the show ends, we see Allie join Tommy in designing the Junior's line for fall 2004. She's 18. She's a little restless. Now, she said that she attended a few press events with Tommy. She painted a ton. She smoked a ton of weed while this was happening right after the show stopped filming. Like Jamie, Allie corroborated the story that they had indeed attended the North. I'm sorry, the L.A. premiere together. And they also went to a New York launch party. Now, Jamie didn't really mention the New York uh, launch party. But at this party, Allie took her friend Charlie. They ended up kissing that night and she decided to visit him in Miami. And this visit became her actually like moving in with him and his roommates and living in Miami while he went to University of Miami. And then Charlie went from being like a friend to her full on boyfriend. And if you're like, oh, that's interesting. I don't really remember Charlie. Then I want to stop you and be like, Charlie, y'all, Charlie, the best friend of her ex-boyfriend. And more importantly, how we are introduced to Charlie on Rich Girls. This is the man who randomly showed up at Allie's house needing clothes. This is the Ferrari episode. They probably fell madly in love after discussing that weird skin serum made out of foreskin, a tale as old as time. But Charlie and Allie's time together was not just this happy, carefree beach life full of karaoke and playing basketball. Okay, actually it was. But she did feel really terrible about leaving Jamie, she said. She, Allie, mentioned that she refused to do interviews and her decision to just literally drop off the face of the earth and not promote this show at all really angered Jamie. But Allie didn't want to tell Jamie that she just didn't want to do anything related to the show, let alone film a second season. Because as Jamie mentioned on her podcast and Allie mentions in her book, MTV had gotten really good ratings for rich girls. And reality show was kind of new at the time, especially on like an MTV format. They had the Osbournes and newlyweds. And rich girls was another real key component to that. So they had been pushing for a second season or a miniseries, something. Charlie told Allie that he would break up with her if she didn't call Jamie and just tell her the fucking truth. So Allie did. But then Allie kind of took it a step further. And instead of just saying, like, I don't want to do stuff for rich girls, she just, like, says she emotionlessly told Jamie that she just doesn't want to be her friend anymore. And I don't always root for Jamie, but, like, no person really deserves to just like have a multi-year friendship end on a angry phone call about PR for your shared TV show. Like, of course that hurts. Of course it sucks. And however Jamie feels about it, I think she would be more than entitled to being a little more than salty. But we have to go back to 2003. So Allie's there. She loves Miami. She thinks maybe this is where I need to be. Maybe I should go to college and I can go to University of Miami and like Charlie and I will be together forever. But the longer she was there, the more she realized that if she kind of like left certain parts of Miami, she would get recognized all the time. Her Lyme disease was also getting really worse. Um, She definitely had a lot of pain and it was harder and harder for her to have a functional day. So she returned to New York around Christmas time. And when she did, she realized she was having trouble putting sentences together. She realized she was smoking pot all the time for pain relief and admits that because it wasn't really legal at the time, the pot quality was not great. She also said that this was the lowest point in her life. And this is kind of coming 18 years after the show airs. She said that she knew she needed help at the time. She needed someone to contain her, put her back, heal her. She wanted structure, someone to help feed her, help her go to sleep regularly. She wanted to take nausea and joint pain and have them go away and help her focus on her daily life. 
And she tells her dad and mom all of these things. Now, her mom is a little more woo and is uh, throughout the book assures her that she just needs to see a psychic. But Tommy talked to a psychiatrist and that doctor recommended a medical facility for Allie. They eventually go ahead and drug Allie because she thinks she's going to Jamaica, but they have to go to the ER first. Now, I understand how upsetting that last sentence was, and I don't actually think it's okay to just drug people against their will. But to be fair, and Allie says this in her book, so I'm just kind of adding some context here, the incident where they end up at the ER and she is given a tranquilizer and then goes to a psych ward uh, had been precipitated by the fact that Allie took a very expensive silver tray in her father's home, defecated on it, and told her dad that he needed to test her poop for parasites because if there were parasites in it, he was going to be sorry. What Allie remembers is that she eventually wakes up in a psych ward, and that is how she starts her memoir. She is, of course, shocked to learn that she is, in fact, not en route to Jamaica, and she's not beachside with a tropical drink in hand, but instead she was, of course, medicated and dropped off by her father and his security team. She ends up spending four months there, um, eventually, like, kind of relocating to what seems like an outpatient facility. She makes friends. She wears a corduroy and shearling jacket. She constantly refers to her life as a chapter of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which seems vaguely inappropriate at times, and wondering why people use lace dollies. And honestly, I don't know why people use lace doilies. Um, Not really my thing. I don't know that they'll ever make the kind of cool macrame comeback. So, Allie, if you're listening, um, I hope you're well. I have no idea what people use laced oilies, but I'm sure there's a dark web conspiracy theory for us. And that brings me to Allie's birth chart. She was born on February 26th, 1985 in New York City, but we do not have her birth time. In Allie's chart, we see that she has like a really intense kind of placement. And I don't want to scare anyone because... I know that you could be listening to a podcast and then someone could say, oh my God, whoever has this aspect in the birth chart must be like completely deranged. And that is not fair or nice. But intense just means to me that like, it kind of takes like a lot of space up, right? Like, it's like how I imagine meeting like a celebrity would be like, they just kind of take up more space in the room than maybe they really need. Like they just are hard to not notice. So that's what I'm trying to say about this placement that she has. So I don't want you to panic because there are less, you know, like favorable or less easy aspects in everyone's birth chart. And this just happens to be hers. She has a Saturn moon opposition. Her moon is in 23 degrees of Taurus. Taurus moon, um, it's a great placement in that it is exalted. So we like it. It's very natural place for the moon. And her Saturn is in 28 degrees of Scorpio. So they're like completely opposite signs. And more than anything, more than any other placement in her birth chart, it's like really, to me, a, it has multiple components. But part of it is how we perceive, well, how I perceived Allie on Rich Girls. This was really illuminating for me because I'll be honest with you, I didn't really want to look at their birth charts like in depth and depth until the very end. And this just like, I couldn't look away. When I think about Allie and Rich Girls, I feel like it's like, she's nice, but she's distant. In some ways, it's easier to watch parts of Allie's parts of the episodes and come away liking her more than it is to watch parts of the show where Jamie's on, sometimes. Now, Allie does say dumb things, and it's very clear that she's a sweet girl who's kind of rudderless at 18, but that's not not likable. It's just kind of unfortunate. 
her emotions, save of course for the burrito incident episode and her getting a little pissy in London, are mostly surface level on TV. We don't watch Allie have to see her crush make out with someone else or panic about traveling or going to college in this new life step. We don't kind of see those moments. And because there aren't these deep emotional moments, I think it's really easy to be drawn to Allie and seem like she's like fun and easy. But when the series ended, I kind of felt like I really got to know Jamie and saw like a character arc. She was someone who was kind of introverted, a writer, someone who's really observant about how other people are. And then she kind of blossoms into someone who's like ready to have this new chapter in her life, even though she's like a little nervous. Like she starts off the season being sad that Michael V is sucking face with Julia and she ends the season being like, fuck right off, Michael. You're a loser. And he is. But anyway, I'm just saying like, We don't get to see Allie really thrive in her role at her dad's company because she doesn't really do that for very long. Or we don't really get to see her like forming new friendships. We don't get to like, you know, watch her move into an apartment or start a new chapter in a really big way. Now, Jamie can sometimes irk me with her Capricornness, but Allie just feels like a weird whisper of a person at times. And this to me is a discussion also about the Taurus Scorpio axis these two signs that are playing into this moon Saturn opposition Taurus is stable grounded and often more stubborn than emotive like Tauruses feel deeply but they're not always the most expressive on all of their feelings now Scorpios on the other hand they are very very deep feelers arguably perhaps more emotionally driven than Tauruses but they don't necessarily want those feelings to be visible Both signs definitely feel things deeply. They definitely have emotional triggers, but they may not want to express them or have people really see into what those triggers are. As you know, too, from this podcast, Saturn is about slowing things down. It's about cooling things off. And having Saturn opposed to your moon just means that it's not likely that emotions regularly pour out of you. It could be that you don't feel comfortable expressing yourself. Like when you think about having to talk about your emotions, you just can't do it like it doesn't work or maybe you do have these really big emotions and you just don't even know like how people get them out of their system like you just keep feeling them but they're just stuck in you right maybe that makes sense in Allie's case too so much of this Saturn moon opposition in her life really seems to manifest in her battle with Lyme disease now I really wish we had Allie's birth time because I would love to know, like, what's going on with her 6th and 12th house rulers. 6th house would be, of course, her health. 12th house is going to be places of confinement. That definitely makes me think of the hospital spaces where that she will occupy, you know, throughout her kind of young adulthood. But anyway, until that time, we have to talk about her Lyme disease. So this starts off by just a quick introduction to Lyme disease. Now, I'm not a medical expert. That is probably apparent from any any 30 seconds on this podcast ever. But just a quick thing. If you do not know what Lyme disease is, totally fine. Especially in the United States, there are some areas where Lyme disease is more prevalent or it's easier to get to Lyme disease. Most people, from my understanding, the easiest way, most common way people get Lyme disease, it is like a chronic condition that you get from being bit by a tick. So if you are bit by a tick, there are lots of ticks in like the mid-Atlantic area. So where Allie grew up, New York, Connecticut, and then also on the West Coast, ticks are a big deal. So Allie gets bit by a tick at, at age seven. And her mom, I guess, had maybe a limited medical background, but she knew enough that she had to have a doctor remove the tick. And 
without getting into it because it's like kind of gross, but like a tick will want to embed under your skin and you need to get it out all the way because if you don't, it's really dangerous. It can cause an infection, right? Because you haven't like really removed um, the whole animal. Ticks are creepy bugs. Google them and then go, ooh, they're just nasty. Anyway, but Allie's mom knew enough and she said, I want this tick removed and I want to be have it be tested because I can test to see if this tick has Lyme disease. Now, they did test the tick at two different labs, and the results for the Lyme disease within the tick were never conclusive. So they said, hey, chances are non-conclusive test probably means Allie doesn't have Lyme disease or she's not at risk for developing Lyme disease. So she never got any additional treatment or diagnosis like through her entire adolescence. But growing up, she would have head pain. She had headaches, stomach aches, knee pain, kind of joint pain. She'd feel like she had the flu a lot, but she wouldn't actually be sick with the flu. At this point, I tell you, I'm kind of circling back to that Tick Bootcamp podcast. I will warn you if you decide to listen to it again over two hours. And most of the second half of the podcast is a lot of medical information that is relevant to people who are interested in learning about Lyme disease or are experiencing Lyme disease and want like a more mm, homeopathic interpretation of management. So, you know, proceed with caution. And I I wish I could tell you that instead of listening to Tick Boot Camp, that I went ahead and listened to the 10 or so episodes of Allie and her husband Steve's podcast, Sit In. Indeed, I really wish I could. It is the kind of self-indulgent and faux-woke podcast hosted by white people that very much mirrors my own, I suspect. But again, didn't get to listen to it. If it ever comes back, I may just have to drop a magic episode where I talk mad shit about it. Now, Allie's husband is named Steve Hash. She's not married to the NBA player Steve Nash. I guess I had like a weird week where I was starting to work on this episode and I wrote Allie married Steve Nash question mark. And that was the only thing that was on this document that I'm like looking at right now. Um, Steve Nash, I- I'm not a huge NBA person. I don't have anything against it. I just don't watch a lot of sports uh, for reasons that are obviously apparent because of this podcast. But Steve Nash is a basketball player. He's very famous. He's white. And he's like much closer to Tommy Hilfiger's age than he is to Allie's. So I was like, what is the story? She married this like aging basketball star. No, her husband is named Steve Hash. He is like a visual artist, very cool guy. Where's a lot of like, okay, like Matt, do you remember Madeline, the children's book, Pepito, the bad hat? He is like Russell Brand who took like his hat cues from Pepito. Okay, that's that's who we are working with. The two fell in love at a friend's party. They like definitely knew they needed to be together at the jungle of Costa Rica. So they got married in Mystique at her parents' family compound and private beach. The bride and groom, of course, wore custom Tommy Hilfiger and Ali accessorized with YSL disco heels and vintage Pakistani accessories because she wanted her something borrowed to be both scarab earrings from Jerry Hall and a culture she was in no way a part of. Oh, 2008. 2018. Sorry. It was a simpler time. Perhaps one of the last years we'd have people sitting in close quarters at one long table. And when we felt like wearing an ombre bridal hooded cloak was cool and indie and absolutely not ridiculous and odd. Also in attendance at their beautiful wedding was their daughter, Harley Hilfiger Hash, or as I will now refer to her, Triple H. Now, I don't need you to worry because I do know that Triple H is a wrestler, former wrestler who is six foot four. He is a Leo and he has very low set brows. Very like Cro-Magnon energy. 
Harley is the real Triple H IMO because saying her name more than once exhausts me almost as much as listening to my crazy neighbor explain how vitamins fight COVID better than the vaccine. She doesn't know that YouTube is for makeup tutorials and awkwardly watching podcasters talk. Donna, it is not for medical advice. Anyway, I was not able to find Steve's birthday, but Harley is an Aquarius. And I kind of love the idea that we see this Saturn moon moment for Allie, and it's the story of her journey through Lyme disease and finding things so she's able to live with this chronic condition. She's able to have a healthy pregnancy with this. She is in a better spot in her life and is kind of managing her disease. And that's really wonderful. And I just love that in this moment, we also get to see this really cool moment in her chart where Allie's Jupiter is an Aquarius and her daughter is an Aquarius. And Jupiter is the planet of expansion, philosophy, ideals. And this is like going to get like kind of, okay, I feel like if you could hang with some of the wacky like Pisces Aquarius meetup, because they're signs that are next to each other. And to me, the Pisces Aquarius meetup where it's like, I care about the collective. I'm a little spacey. And the Pisces of like, I'm very mystical is how Allie finds out she is pregnant. She moves to Los Angeles with her beloved Steve. And she like wants to start meditating outside. So she finds a bunch of parks and really great spaces to meditate. And while she's in one park, he's sitting in the car because he thinks it's like kind of a bad idea to be out in some random park you've never been to while the sun is setting. He might be onto something. She has this kind of vision where she's meditating and she's imagining herself like sitting with each of the people who she loves most in her life who are most important to her. And while she's visualizing all these things, like she's meditating, she her eyes are closed, she's visualizing these meetings, in every single one of them, she is pregnant. Now, I don't want to spoil the memoir, but since you know she has a kid, um, that pregnancy turns out to be Harley. So I kind of loved this connection of Jupiter expanding philosophical ideas, this like, you know, bigger than life. And then this kind of who Allie really is a Pisces, you know, meditating, visualizing, thinking about people she loves. And this is the moment where that Jupiter and Aquarius shines and it's her daughter like coming through the universe to be like, hey, I'm here or something. I don't know. Obviously need to cut back on the LaCroix. It's clearly melted my brain. So I will end this episode with a fun fact. If you remember the series finale of Rich Girls, which I reviewed like two weeks ago, you will likely remember the floor-length denim skirt from Ralph Lauren that Tommy picks up in Allie's closet, sighs heavily, makes a snide remark about Ralph, and then gently folds. Now, Jamie admitted on her podcast episode with Behind the Velvet Rope with Danny Pellegrino that the skirt was from Tommy's cleanup closet. That was purchased at Jamie's aunt's store in Seattle. So this is a real throwback from the whole series. And that Jamie wore that same skirt because they both purchased them for her press shoot for Rich Girls. So I'm going to end the series with the most 2003 vibe of them all. Best friends, Allie and Jamie, share a love of travel, New York City, and matching floor-length, sand-blasted, ruched denim skirts. For one summer, they shared their lives with a global audience. And for one summer, we remembered the summer of 2003, when we were bopping along to Crazy in Love, and so many random white high school boys learned what astrology was via Outcast Aquemini, symbolizing the two members, Gemini and Aquarius, respective sun signs.
A huge thanks, truly, for taking this ride with me and reviewing Rich Girls. I had a lot of fun looking at everything. I had a lot of fun looking into the astrology, and I hope that you enjoyed it too. If you liked these recap episodes, let me know by reaching out on Instagram or via email. And if you did not, please take a big breath in, okay? And a big deep breath out. You made it. It's over. There will never be a comment about a private jet or ridiculous quote about the Midwest and cargo pants on this podcast. Okay, maybe not like ever again, but you know what I'm saying, like less frequently. As always, thank you for listening to Chart of Fortune. This podcast is researched, written, edited, spoken by, all the stuff by me, your host, Elise Blaylock. Please subscribe or follow wherever you listen to this podcast. And please, please, please leave me a rating and review. It helps other listeners find this show and relive the magic and terrible fashion of the early 2000s. Until next time, I hope, my dear listener, that you know that I love you the way Allie loves Lyme disease activism and names that start with age. Bye!